Welcome everyone to another episode of Life Hurts, God Heals, and I am your host, Chris Wolwind. Although I don't feel like a host, I'm not. I don't have anyone in my studio. I suppose you are my guests, and as you are aware, I am all alone in this endeavor. While my partner Kurt Flagel is on a sabbatical, and my producer is also on a sabbatical, and so I'm left floundering here all by my lonesome, which means that I can't take any phone calls, so I'm not going to give out a phone number. But I, but it is interesting, isn't it, that our show has moved to a Sunday afternoon. I didn't know whether to say good afternoon or good evening because it's just right there on the cusp between the the before and the after. So here we are on a Sunday. I don't know that Sunday is any better than a Tuesday, but God knows, and here we are, and I'm glad you're here with me. And we, of course, are on a very interesting topic this afternoon, the topic of habits. You know, it seems like I have at least a hundred, although the topic, the, the headline of the show said a million. Sometimes it feels like I have a million bad habits and only a few good habits. Wasn't sure if you felt the same way, but as I have been seeking the Lord and wanting to grow closer to Him, I have found it quite interesting that it is difficult to create new habit patterns in my walk with God. And I just wanted to reflect on that, kind of wander through uh, some thoughts that I've been having with the scriptures, and uh, hopefully we will come up with maybe a fresh look at how we are to grow in our walk with the Lord, especially when we encounter so many of our old trends the trends in our life that came before we met Christ. And so we're going to be talking about that. But I do just want to acknowledge the intensity, the growing intensity in our own country, in our own world over this pandemic. We talked about this several weeks ago, about fear and anxiety. And we we talked about those topics mostly an introductory view to those things, and perhaps at some point we will need to discuss those again because we were facing a lot of unknowns. And isn't it interesting that after six or seven weeks, the more that we know, the more unknown we know. And as a result, um, there's a lot of civil unrest that appears to be growing in many states, and uh, a great conflict along political lines is developing. And and always as a devoted believer in Christ, I'm thinking, what should my response be? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? And so I'm always uh, ruminating on those things. Was it yesterday or the day before I I, I received a, a letter that was sent on Facebook 
to uh, a number of friends of mine. This woman is a friend of mine. We worked together at a church maybe 25 or 26 years ago, and uh, through a, uh, you know, a series of ministry ventures that she went on, she ended up uh, marrying uh, outside of the country and has lived in Russia uh, for at least the last, I would say, 20 years, if not more. And uh, I-, I wanted to read to you a, a, a note that she sent asking for prayer, um, and it was for her daughter. And I'm not really sure how old the daughter is. Now, I don't think uh, uh, I-, I don't think you know a teenage daughter, but I could be wrong. So my apologies, but. You know, I'm not going to give you uh, the the name of my friend, but I, I can give you the name of the little girl. And this is what she wrote. And I think it expresses a lot of what we all might be experiencing. She wrote, Today, Maya, quote-unquote, ran away from home. And, I, and the reason she puts it in quotes is because she didn't get very far, which indicates that she's just a young gal. I'm thinking she's six, seven, or eight years old, something like that. Anyway, my friend wrote, Today Maya ran away from home. Daily meltdowns triggered by God only knows what have been taking its toll. Today, Today's was another easy school project that under normal circumstances wouldn't be a problem. I found out later her plan was to walk to our DACA, which is a 20-minute drive away. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but just go with it. She made it to our apartment's outer courtyard and told herself this was wrong and decided to go back home. Honestly, I didn't even know she left the apartment until our outdoor phone rang and she was on it asking to come in. She was gone maybe two minutes. She came home crying and apologizing. A common theme for us is anger and how it often shows us that something is hurting in our hearts. So I asked her, where is all this anger coming from? The tears continued as she talked about how afraid she is right now of the virus and that one of us will die. So much loss right now in grieving. We are not afraid of the virus, but it has affected all of our lives in such hard ways. My poor girl is grieving so many losses and fears right now. Out came a flood of emotions about not being able to fly home to America this summer to be with grandparents, about saying goodbye to our old school building, missing friends, missing church, and also the fear of death. When I asked her what hurts in her heart, her answer was, everything. And then she closed, oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. It's so true. Everything hurts right now. And I just thought that letter would be a good acknowledgement for all of us. We all share in the fact that everything hurts right now. And... It's exacerbated by the fact that we don't know what lies ahead. What we do know 
as devoted believers is that God is already ahead. God is clearing a path. His light brings brings light to our lives and sheds light on the way we should go. And so we really do rely on that. And I urge you to continue to pray for those, um, especially those around you in your own neighborhood, the ones whom you are close to. Because what may be going on inside of their lives is what's going on with Maya, that everything is hurting and it's difficult to know where to land. It is almost as if an anchor has been pulled up and now our little boats are floating all over the bay and some are being blown out into the big waters. And it just seems that no matter how much we row, uh, we are at the mercy of the wind, wherever the wind blows. And so when that happens, we we just need to remember that God is in charge of the wind, that the boat belongs to him, and that perhaps the best thing to do is to, well, maybe to stop rowing and let God blow us where we need to be blown to, have him land us where we land. So with all that being said, um, I just... Uh, wanted to acknowledge that for us uh, as shared believers, the family of God. We are the family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Normally, we uh, have a little trivia time, a little, uh, you know, chuckle here and there. And I think that's important to to do a chuckle. You know, the Lord told us uh, that if we were anxious, uh, to cast our burdens on him because he cares for us. And um, I think I'm going to pass on the chuckle and just recognize and acknowledge that this is an earnest time. And um, maybe I would, li- I would like to just ask the Lord to be with us um, for those who are listening and that he would be with you as well in special ways, in distinctive ways. Father in heaven, Lord, just as we are spending time together, we're asking, Father, that you would bless this time and bless each person who is listening. Father, we don't know what lies ahead, but we know that you know, and we put our trust in you. And if we are having difficulty today doing that remind us show up somewhere father in our life and remind us that you are in charge of everything that happens around us and that no matter what we are going through we are not going through it alone but we are going through it with a great big god inside of us who knows everything about what needs to happen Help us to listen to you, Lord, today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're talking about habits. Habits. You know, I don't like that word habit. (laughs) Habit somehow has a negative connotation. 
especially uh, for those of us who have many bad habits, and uh, we are trying to break them. And we usually try to break them around the first of the year, don't we? I think that's always interesting. We set these great big resolutions thinking that uh, this will be the last day. And the intent is good. The intent is good. Only to find ourselves breaking that resolution. But it's not even resolutions. Oftentimes it is uh, a variety of habits um, from our old life that have to do with thoughts, even habitual feelings, um, attitudes, words, responses, reactions, all those things that it seems as if we, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we are slaves to. We may think we're free, and then just around the corner pops out an old desire, an old feeling, a longing for something, and we go with it. Like, uh, it's just as if someone just puts out their hand, and there I go. You know, I'm following like a little puppy dog down this trail that I know I'm not supposed to be going down, but ah, what the heck, right? So many difficult, difficult things that are out there as we are trying to create new habits in our life. And one of the things that I do in my own life is I do a lot of thinking. I am I guess I'm a mini philosopher and I want to know why it is that I'm struggling with the things that I struggle with because if I can get to the foundations, you know, if my house is falling apart, I can keep rebuilding my house, but if it keeps cracking, I I recognize that there's something else going on. I have to I have to find the pathology. <laughs> What is the disease? What's the underlying thing that's, that's breaking my, my house? And, uh, and that means getting to foundations. You know, it's one thing to create habits, new habits. But I recognize that as I, as, as, um, I think about the things Jesus taught in the scriptures, he, was, he always seemed to... to carry us to the deeper the deeper places of the heart when we talk about habits you know there was a uh, a pastor who would always have a series called habits of the heart and um and so it would be you know the habit of prayer or the habit of worship or um the habit of generosity and those things and those are heart issues but oftentimes we 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 look at the outward behaviors and we think okay if i just do these outward behaviors then i'll be making progress and to a certain degree that is really true but when we get to the habit of the heart we discover that oh I have not really embedded a change in my thinking. I've made a decision about what to do, but I have not transformed my thinking process at all. And so this is about 
getting into the behind the scenes of my life, of your life, figuring out what it is that needs to take place there. We talk about spiritual disciplines, and there are, an, boy, you know what? It would be very easy to come up with maybe 20 spiritual disciplines in the life. And then others synthesize those things down to maybe four or five habits. But I really would like us to spend some time thinking about a habit of thinking, a habit of process. Because if we don't get there, then I believe we we often find ourselves bouncing from one habit to another habit, bouncing from one resolution to another resolution, trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves before the Lord. And I'm not sure that that is, uh, at least in my life, it's not producing a great success. And I wanted us to think about uh, the problem of emotions interfering with truthful thinking. I think a lot happens there when we are zeroing in and defining uh, success by how we feel about what's going on. And what I mean by feeling is uh, at least, I think there are two two levels of feeling. There is the the feelings of what I'm feeling at the moment, which, you know, I could I could have a feeling that is very negative based upon what I ate or based upon how I woke up in the morning and what terrible nasty dream I had, okay? Or it could be the positive. You know, I had a great dream and I'm ready to take on the day or I I had some fantastic food and I'm just thrilled and then i think everything is 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 terrific and i measure the day at that very at the perimeters of my life unprepared for the deeper things the deeper conflicts that will come around and so there's a deeper feeling which can be things both positive and negative i i can walk around with a substantial contentment and peace because I I recognize that I'm complete in Christ. Or I can walk around with despair, despondency, confusion, depression. And those things can burrow their way into my life and I can begin to try to make decisions and reorient my life from from that arena, from this deeper level of emotion. But could I challenge us to go even deeper than that, to the place where we think and make decisions and rationalize some things? Now, I have to acknowledge that oftentimes I find that in my life, habits are, well, they, they're very discouraging, these old habits. And I find that 
when I am immersed in an old habit, whether it's uh, anger, you know, or maybe it's an attitude, a fixed attitude, or maybe I'm dealing with pride or a lustful moment or anxiety. When I get burrowed into those kinds of things, I start beating myself up. And I want to correct what's going on there. And so my motivation for correcting these things is the shame and the guilt I feel about failing once again to be the child that God wants me to be. And it's in those moments that I sense, and, and I think some, somewhat inaccurately, I should say, that God is just as disappointed in me as I am. That God is just as resentful toward me as I am resentful of the things that I'm resentful about. Okay, in other words... God, whatever it is that God is feeling about me, he's just reflecting who I feel I am at that moment. And that, folks, is not accurate. That's not accurate at all. Those of you who have children, raised children, you probably recognize that the way your young child in, say, the age four to five category, the way they behave is somewhat to be expected. It doesn't mean that you love your child any less. You might be exasperated a little bit or frustrated, but your love for that child is very strong and deep. And the behaviors of that child actually do not dictate your love. And then as your child grows into the pre-adolescent years, there is, a, there is a, a different struggle in your child's life. They're not struggling with, you know, someone took my toy, perhaps, or uh, the frustration of um, not getting the food you want, those kinds of things. But, but there are different issues and different struggles about um, not being able to hang out with friends or not wanting to be able to do my own thing. <laughs> you know, uh, I have to do chores or I have to do school or, the, or those, those kinds of things. And then as your child becomes a, a teenager, there are, there are more complex issues about relationships and so forth. And yet, in, as your child transitions, your love actually grows deeper for that child. And if you become, if you're a parent who actually begins to not like your child at all, then probably something is, is wrong inside of you. You see, that, that uh, there's something that needs to be addressed there in your own life. But by and large, our love for our children grows deep. And when I think about God's love for us, as we transition from new believers to having been in, the, in, in a relationship with God for a number of years to long-timers, 
in the Lord, which when you think about long time in terms of eternity, it's, it's, it's nothing, right? But you know what I mean. That in the same way, God's love for us uh, doesn't change. It's, it's deep. It's persistent. It's consistent. And he recognizes the changes in our lives, the challenges in our lives that uh, make us who we are. And he also sees in our heart what it is that, that is taking place within. I wanted to take some time in the scriptures a little bit as I'm reflecting, um, because I don't have all the answers here. I really don't. Even after studying these scriptures for years and years and years, and maybe even reaching some conclusions, as I get older in the Lord, my orientation changes and I look at these scriptures differently. You know, that is the wonderful dynamic of the Word of God, is that as we, as we grow, God's Word begins to address different issues in our life using the same passages of scripture that we read 15, 20, 30 years ago. It's pretty marvelous. I wanted to uh, first just acknowledge, and you can see this in the scriptures, you can see this in your life and perhaps in the lives of other devoted Christian believers, that the people that you know uh, long ago, they've changed in their walk. They've become perhaps better people. When I look in the scriptures, think of, who Peter was when he first began walking with Jesus. And then in the middle part of his life, as a leader of the apostles, what he was doing and what he was confronting. And even in the book of Acts, some of the, some of the changes that he needed to make in his attitudes about how to honor God and how to honor other believers, particularly Gentile believers, because he was a devoted Jewish Christian believer. And then to read his letters, First and Second Peter, near the end of his life. What a fantastic transformation. We see it in the life of John. You know, young John is a son of thunder, son of Zebedee, but... But, uh, you know, he and his brother apparently had a reputation for being rough and tumble characters. And yet there was this passionate quality in John um, that we were introduced to. And then we, we see his leadership role, his strong role, along with Peter uh, in the middle part of the ministry of the church. And then to see these letters of love in first and second John, third John, um, and then of course the dynamic of the book of Revelation. Oh my. You see these transitions in people's lives. And then I look at the life of Paul before he became a Christian. And then the the uh the kinds of behaviors that, that that he exhibited in the first part of his Christian walk, so much passion and dedication. He was like a, a teenager on fire for the Lord, right? And then we see through the years kind of a mellowing, a contentment, 
He ended up being in prison for years. And during that time, what is it that God is doing in his life? Even the period, the long period before his ministry may have been 14 years or more where he's away from ministry and God is working with him in Arabia. And, uh, and those are the unknown years where we see, uh, where we don't see what God is doing. We just know that it's there. And then to see the, the last parts of, of Paul's life as he's writing Second Timothy and the devotion and care that is there. Those kinds of transitions demonstrate to me that there is spiritual growth. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is laid out in, in easy ways. And uh, I wanted to go to uh, a letter that Paul wrote. It's an it's a instructional letter. It's one of the more uh, in-depth works of Paul. It's in the book of Romans. And I just wanted to uh, briefly take you to the middle part of Romans, Romans chapter 7. And this is where I've spent a lot of time reflecting and ruminating for my own spiritual walk because I'm not content with these old habits and the ease with which I succumb, I succumb to them. I'm not happy about that. And while I see wonderful new habits developing, I want more of the new and I want less of the old. And so let me read to you some of these scriptures. It begins in chapter 7 of Romans in verse 12. Paul says this, and he's talking about uh, the Jewish law that was given to and through Moses uh, for uh, God's people. And, um, of course, if you've been a believer for some time, you are familiar with how the, the beautiful laws of God, which revealed the nature uh, of God's thinking and the qualities of relationships that, that he wants to establish in his kingdom, and he introduces these, these uh, commands to help instruct uh, a, new, uh, a new people that he has pulled out of Egypt and he introduces himself to them in the wilderness. And, uh, but over the, the millennium and countless, well, not countless, but many, many centuries, we realize that uh, the Jewish uh, mindset had begun to corrupt the true intent of what God's laws were. They turned them into rules and regulations that would bring about perfection so that God would be pleased with them. And, of course, the ministry of Jesus really turned a corner on all of that and and essentially told the, the Jewish leadership, uh, you, you have these these commands of God all wrong. You You've interpreted them from a position of selfishness and greed and control and tyranny. And, and uh, that's not what God's intent was. So anyway, Paul, uh, who was a former Pharisee and expert in the law, now as, as uh, an apostle, he's addressing um, the 
conflict that is there because of God's commands. And here's what he says in chapter 7, verse 12 of Romans. He says, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And why is it? Because it came from God. Okay? And then he says, did that which is good become death to me? By no means, he says. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. In other words, sin used the law to bring about our death and destruction. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. God knew that the corruption in our own life would take these commands of God and actually bring about a revelation to us, a revealing of just how terrible sin, how corrupting sin is in our life because we see it in contrast to the holiness and the goodness of God. He says in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Paul's talking about himself. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Well, that is an important recognition right there. That just because we are in Christ and we are to live our lives in a way that, that uh, considers our old life dead, it doesn't mean that we're, we are uh, away from it. What it is saying is that we have the opportunity now through the power of the Spirit to be free, but there is still this old nature that I am wrestling with. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, the nature that I was born into. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. This was so important to me, folks, to recognize that there is a great conflict in Paul the Apostle and a great conflict in my life. There is a battle that continues to be fought and that's an important truth, an important reality, that just because I came to Christ doesn't mean the battle is over. In fact, the battle has begun. Before I came to Christ, there really wasn't a battle. I was in complete agreement with my life, even though I didn't like it. But when I came to Christ, I wanted that new life. But to Keep that new life and grow in that new life meant that my old nature was going to scratch and t 
tug and pull and fight me at every corner. Paul says in verse 24, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a sense of of a, a, a present and continuing active deliverance. In other words, as I fight this conflict between my old self and the new nature that God has placed in me, God is with me. He says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And one of the observations I was making is that when I think about how my sinful nature operates, it tends to always operate around selfishness and, more specifically, selfish desire. And boy, does that tap in to the two different levels of emotion I was talking about earlier. You know, the, the emotions at the perimeter that respond to the daily things of life, the daily temptations, and then the deeper emotions uh, underneath um, that might have to do with attitudes and reflections, positive or negative, whatever they are. And if I bury myself just there, boy, I can get myself into a swamp of depression and despair or anger. It'll feel like tar. I always have the picture of uh, Spider-Man wearing that black suit. And when he's trying to pull himself out, it is holding on to him. It takes everything within him to be free of that. And that's the wretchedness that I think Paul is feeling that I feel in my own life. And perhaps you feel as well. There is this major battle. I myself, in my mind, I am God's. I, and, and I love the fact that this is in the mind. It is in the place where we process truth. I know something. With my emotions, I don't know so many things. Okay? But in my mind... I know some things, and I know that I love God. I know that God's law, when I'm a slave to it, I'm actually free in life. And I experience all kinds of delight and joy and contentment because of the things that I know. But my sinful nature, my body, my, my body, my mortal body that is experiencing all these tugs and this darkness, ugh, he says, my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. But do you know what his answer is? And I was taken again just four weeks ago to the wonder of this statement. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. And I immediately come back to those you know, the timelines of a parent raising children. When I was raising my children, I never condemned them. I didn't have condemnation in my heart. I might have condemned some of their 
actions, personal condemnation, that was the farthest thing from my heart. I loved my kids. Still do. You're the same. And God loves us the same way. He has, he has made a way to remove all of the judgment and condemnation that we deserved. He's removed that. His heart never had this condemnation. You know, even when you... I've been doing a study, uh, teaching a study through Revelation. You realize that when you, when you read through Revelations, throughout the Great Tribulation, there are six, maybe even seven, pleas by God for people to repent. God is looking just for a basic cry out to him, please come, Father, and help me. Please, God, help me. He's looking for that, even at the basic level. He says he will come and he will rescue at that basic level. I love this about God's heart. God's heart loves the world. God so loved the world. But, in order for him to be a just and loving God, something needed to be done with sin and the sinful behaviors of men and to avenge the victims and the innocent. And so justice needs to be dealt with, and he poured out all of his wrath on the son, his own son, so that the wrath, the, the justice aspects could be removed from our lives, and so that we could enter into this wonderful relationship. But now the conflict is not between myself and God. The conflict is between my new self and my old self. But the reminder that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Oh, how freeing that was to recognize that God is, God is not reflecting emotions from my emotions. In other words, if I'm depressed, then God is depressed with me. False that because I'm rejecting myself, God is rejecting me. False. I just go on and on with that. Okay? That if I'm despondent, then God is despondent toward me. False. Okay? If I'm angry, then God's angry at me. False. If I'm disappointed in myself, then God is disappointed at me. False. No. Okay, I want, to, I want to continue these thoughts, but I also want to honor those who are supporting us on Blog Talk Radio and Linked Local Network. And I just want to encourage you to visit the Community Voices chat uh, that currently takes place every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and also the Pillars of Franchising uh, which is a, a show that is on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And to also just remind all of our listeners that uh, it would be a great thing if they subscribe to Linked Local Network and to find their favorite uh, podcast. And in order to locate those, you can uh, type in uh, uh, your Apple iTunes platform or your FM 
radio player, and you can locate, certainly, Life Hurts, God Heals, these episodes, and or vice versa. If you are on your platform with your Apple or your uh, Android FM player, uh, type in Linked Local Network, and you'll be able to find many of the episodes, including ours, Life Hurts, God Heals. Uh, if you have some comments uh, that you'd like to share, you can certainly share them uh, when you go to our podcast episode on Linked Local Network. You'll, you can find a place where you can respond uh, at the bottom, uh, chat room, and we'd love to in, uh, hear your comments that way, inter- interact with you that way. We also have an email at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. We invite you there. Our, fi- our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals, this is where you will find uh, all of our episodes. If you scroll down on, on our Facebook page, you can tap into any of those, and then you can share those with others and so forth. So we encourage you to do that. Again, our email is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. Look at that. I did all my commercials in a very good way. So here we are. I just want to wrap up. Don't want to have a very long show today. But um, there is a joy in knowing when we're dealing and confronting our old habits that God has removed his condemnation from us. And so whatever condemnation we are feeling, it's a self-condemnation. It's a condemnation from the enemy. Perhaps it's a condemnation even from the world. Okay. Paul continues. Now we're in chapter 8 of Romans and he says in verse 2, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and the law of death. Wow. In other words, before you became a believer, you were bound up in sin. But when you said yes to God, God says, oh, yeah, all right, I'm going to give you my spirit and I'm going to give you my uh, my nature. I'm going to give you the capacities to change. I'm going to give you the tools and you're going to see change in your life. And all you will need to do is walk with me, walk with me. He says, for what the law was powerless to do, you know, all the resolutions that we create, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Or the law of, I'm, ne- I'm not going to sin this way and I'm not going to sin that way. Those are rules and regulations that reveal what, what righteousness is like, but it's powerless to do any changing in our lives. Because it's weakened by our old sin nature. But God fixed that. He said, I don't want you to try to fix your life using your old sin nature. Your old willpower. Your old DNA. The the Chris Woolwin DNA. I don't want you to use that. I want you to use my spirit. And the grace that I have given and the freedom from condemnation that I have 
placed upon you. You are my child. So, Paul continues, he says, God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and he condemns sin in the flesh in order that all the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not or who no longer live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he continues now. So now he's created this division, Paul has, and he's saying, and he's using his own life as an example, which is so helpful for us. He then says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. In other words, when you're living in your old nature, you're anchored there. Your mind is fixed there on the old life, the old desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This is, folks, where the, the, real, the real connection to freedom from the old habits and the power to develop new habits begins is by the fixing of our mind on the things of the Spirit, on the things of the kingdom. He says the mind, in verse 6, he says the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Do you realize that your old nature, your old self, hates God? There is a hostility to God? The things of your old nature, the old attitudes, the old behaviors, those things hate God. Even your old self hates God. Now, you may not think so. You may be absolutely convinced that, that God is, is happy with you. And this is why, you know, in one of our episodes, we talked about who am I and finding that identity. Your identity is not your old nature. Your identity is in who God made you from the very beginning but when we were born into this nature, we, tend, we, we got confused and we said, well, this is me. The devil made me do it. I can't break free. And then Christ comes along and he says, oh, no, 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 no. You have a choice. You can choose the kingdom. And if you choose the kingdom, I will put a new nature, new clothing over your identity, and you be, can become a new person, a new creation in me. I think it's wonderful. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. When I experience an old habit, that is my old nature, wanting me to relinquish control to the old nature. It's calling me to be hostile to God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I can't please God 
if I'm pursuing those old habits. They're hostile. And then Paul says this in Romans 8 verse 9, You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh. In other words, you chose the kingdom. We're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But the cool thing is, is if you said yes to Christ, the Spirit of Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, in verse 10, then even though your body and the emotions and the old thinking and the old will is subject to death, he says, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now this is wonderfully amazing. He says, if you are living in the it will affect then your mortal, fleshly body. In other words, it will begin to transform your emotions, both the, the deep-seated emotions and the perimeter mo emotions. When you allow the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, when you begin walking that direction, you will find expression in your emotions changing. The old emotions of depression and despair, despondency, apathy, resentment, bitterness, those things which are hostile to God and belong in the old nature as you walk in the Spirit and you begin to live with this new mindset that I am not, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am free. So what is the problem? Why is it that I keep going back? Well, folks, here it is. At least this is where I'm at right now. want you to think about this this week. Every time I'm confronted with an old habit, whether it's, anger, an attitude of bitterness or resentment, pride, greed, lust, whatever it is, anxiety, oh, I have my share of anxiety. When I'm confronted with those things, I immediately recognize, ah, that's my hostile old nature against God. When I recognize it, the key is not to make myself do something different. The key is to think differently. If I try to resolve and make myself do something, well, you know how those resolutions go. They're not very permanent. But when I remind myself of what it is that I value, what's the more important value? What is it that I relish and cherish and treasure in my life with Christ? 
the values of the kingdom are far, far and away more valuable than the treasures and the values of, of earth and earth's life. And so when I'm confronted with a, a desire or a longing or a lust in my old flesh, I recognize how temporary that is. That is a, that's, that's a temporary and it's only going to affect my perimeter emotions at the moment which then will leak into my deeper emotions because I will feel like I've I've uh, shamed myself okay guilt myself and God is saying don't don't go there it's just not worth it instead recognize that I that you're complete in me you don't need, you don't need those things anymore maybe it's an it's an attitude of anxiety or resentment. When I sense that in my life, those old emotions, which gets into my old thinking, rather than saying, I'm not going to think that anymore, I'm going to resist that, I have to get to the habit of my heart thinking, my, my, the decision-making place, and go, I know why I want the kingdom because this is where the treasures are this is where eternity lies this is where the infinite my infinite father loves to be with me he he's inviting me to explore his realm stop getting caught up in the little cave in your old flesh and explore the vistas and the horizons and the valleys and the mountains and the oceans of my kingdom Go for a walk with me there. And you know what I find, folks? That when I do that, I am suddenly equipped with the power of the Spirit to just let go. To let go of the old and walk in the new. Would you reflect on those things this week? I hope you will. Blessings to you from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father in heaven. And may his spirit continue to win you over, to move you over to life and peace. All right, take care.